Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Good morning, everyone. It's really good to, to see you out this morning. Um, yeah, and it's just been a great week about here. Um, if you've been in around the, the, the prayer room, you'll have seen that. Um, but just a great week of um, pressing in and leaning in together into the, the presence of God. And even as um, Chris and Tom have led us this morning of that sense of his presence with us. Um, and we're thankful for that. We're thankful for the presence of God. And over, um, <clears throat> excuse me, over the last few weeks, and we have started into our Empowered series. Um, and Phil kicked that off really significantly um, and clearly stating that for us as a church, we believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, okay? We believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and we have a longing and a desire um, to see them operating um, amongst us. Um, these are the gifts that God decided we needed to fulfill the mission, okay? So they're the gifts that he decided in his sovereignty and his wisdom that we needed for the job that he was given us um, to do. And over this next while, we're going to be looking at our natural gifts. We're going to be looking at sort of just who we are, what makes us us, the things that we're good at, we're able to do. Maybe things that other people notice in you. You've maybe started doing this in your life group already. Other people have noticed about you that you didn't really maybe notice about yourself but you're recognizing actually there's, a, there's a, an ability and there's a skill and in that. And there's a natural ability. But also alongside that, we want to lean in and press into what are some of the gifts that God has given us that go beyond our natural ability, which are supernatural, which come from God, which are gifts that he has given to us. And what we are really excited about and over this next few months is for us as a body, as a family, figuring out what are some of the gifts that God has placed in this family. What are some of the gifts that God has placed in individuals that actually we need to unearth, that we need to unpack, that we need to figure out and give space for in um, the family? Because these are the gifts that God has given, <coughs> excuse me, um, that God has given that we need for, for the fulfillment of the mission that he's given us as well. Um, on the screen, you'll see the... Um, Empowered, you'll see our little tagline is this verse here from 1 Corinthians 14, 2. And in it, it says, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. Eagerly desire these gifts, okay? I wonder in your life today, my wife is coming to my rescue with some water, thank you. It is, um, uh, I wonder if in your life today, you are eagerly desiring the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So the context that this is spoken into is a church that is misusing the gifts, okay? It's a, it's a church that is creating a hierarchy of this gift's better than that one, and if you've got that one, then you're better than that person. And it was being used and being misused and was being controlling. And Paul steps in, he writes this letter, and you'd think the easiest thing would be to do is like, let's just set those aside. Let's not bother with them. They're too complicated. They're causing too many problems. Let's just push them over to the sidelines. But that's not what Paul says. Paul steps into the mess of how they're using the gifts, and he says, I want you to eagerly desire them. I want you to go after them, but I want you to use them right. 
I want you to use them in the way that you're meant to use them. And over, over the course of this morning, we're going to look at this a little bit of what are, are some of the principles that we need to hold on to as we unpack and as we use um, the gifts. There is a little quote um, by a man called Parker Palmer um, and says this, functional atheism, okay, functional atheism. A belief in God, but that ultimate responsibility for everything rests with me. A belief in God, but an ultimate responsibility that everything rests with me. And this morning, I don't want to be a functional atheist. I don't want to believe all the right things and say all the right things And yet the reality is not have the power of God at the center of it, not have the power of God flowing through us and through our lives. And I wonder, do you want to be a functional atheist? That actually you come and you do all the right stuff, but God's just not flowing in it and moving through it. And whenever we think about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, I wonder if there's a potential for us to be functional atheists, that we believe all the right things. We've been taught really well on all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We have a clear understanding of what they are, but they're just not operating. They're not flowing in my life. They're not flowing in our body. And when it comes to the gifts, we could be functional atheists. And I am really thankful for how God is stirring up and using his gifts amongst us. But I believe that there's more. I believe that we're on the trickle whenever there's a stream and a flood that wants to flow through us, that we want this pumping through who we are as a church family. That we want God to take our natural abilities, just who you are, your personality, all of your skill mix, take that, and we want him to to pour his Holy Spirit upon it and to use who you are everywhere, every day, But also we want him to give us these gifts into the body and that he will infuse them with the Holy Spirit for the mission that he's given us. I don't want us to be functional atheists. Um, You've heard us talk about the the prayer room. Um, It's just been a great week in there. It's probably quite hard to explain. Um, It has... We've, we've been gathering at 7, at 1, at 10. Thank you for everybody that sort of rallied in, that has taken ours through the night. Well, we, we've came together and we've, we've worshipped together. Uh, and there's been a, it's been powerful. It's been really powerful. Um, you go over to one section and it's, it's been laid out for the kids to engage with. And you're looking at all of the prayers that they have written down of the time that they have spent with God, the things that they are crying out for and praying for. Our youth, as Lauren has said, right through from Friday um, night right through to Saturday morning, they took on the baton and covered all of those hours of prayer, pressing in and saying, God, would you move um, amongst us? And right at the very center of that room, there's a table set up. If you haven't been, it's going to be getting sort of taken down in the next couple of days. So go up at the end of service and have a wee walk around. It's in the glass space as you go through the main entry up to the right. You'll see all the glass. But we have a table right in the center of it. And on the table was a place to write the names of people that haven't came to know Jesus yet. 
And it was this idea that come and take your seat at the table, that God is sending out an invitation, that there's space for you. And we, we are longing for salvation. And over this week, that has been one of the key themes of the prayers that you see written around the room. And also, whenever you've been in the gathered space, it's been, God, would you save the lost? Would you rescue the lost? Would you go after the lost? God, would you move in the streets of our town again? Would you go after people? Would you go after uh, the one? Would you leave the 99 and go after the one? There's been an increased burden to go after the lost. And um, a couple of weeks ago, we were sitting in a... uh, but a week and a half ago, we're sitting in a leaders' gathering over in England, and um, Pete Gregg was speaking, and it, it felt like it a few people primed that were going to share stories of what God was doing in their churches. You know the way you pick on the people that have the good stories, okay? So he was going around the room, and he was like, um, over here, there was a group of people. This kid had a dream, led them to the, the doors of the church gave their life to Jesus, they needed the Bible and they wanted to make sure that it had this thing called the gospel in it. And you're just going, God, that is, oh my goodness. Then they went like from group to group of of people and they were going, we are just seeing God move in ways that we've never seen before. We're seeing like 20, 30 people um, coming to faith each Sunday as we gather. And they were going around the room and I was like, it looked prime, so it was okay. I was like, please don't ask us. Please don't, don't, don't put the spotlight on to us. You see, a couple of days before we went, we'd sat around the, the table with our, our host team, which is Senior Lead, Tash, and Lenny and Nicola. And we were sitting around and we were planning for Celebrate Craigavon and we're saying, what are all the good stories? What do we want to celebrate? And we were rolling stories off. But then we realized it was the theme. There's, there's not many of these are connected with salvation. There's not many of these are about lives transformed. And we, we, we know that there have been over these last few months. And we're so thankful. Celebration in heaven over one person that gives their life to Jesus. But we weren't seeing what we once have seen. And we weren't seeing what we wanted to see. And there was a, a burden that, that went on to the room of just going, God, we, we actually just want to see salvation. We want to go after souls that actually people will live life to the full with you and that they will have a security of heaven for our friends, for our family, for a responsibility for this town. God, we want to pull salvation front and center again. And we sat around this room with this burden and recognizing, God, we're not, we're not seeing it. And you land yourself into the leaders gathering and there's a dream here and there's 30 people here and there's 40 people here. And they're going, oh, please don't ask me. Thankfully, he didn't ask me. He asked Phil instead. (laughs) But you know what? It's one of those moments where I think it's okay to be proud because Phil, without hesitation, with complete humility, went, we're not seeing that. We long to see it. We have seen it. We're not seeing what we are longing for in our hearts, but we desperately want it. In a moment of just saying, God, would you please... It felt like a significant moment for us as a church that actually as the father of the house set up in the group and room of 200 people telling all their great stories. And we could have said some stuff. We've good stuff happening. We could have said some stuff. But the father of the house went, we're not seeing it. 
and we desperately want it. What you have, we want. And I suppose that's the longing for us increasingly as leadership is going, God, we want to see salvation. We want um, to see you move in ways that we've never seen um, before. And there's a quote from Jim Elliott, if you can read it on the screen there. It says, We are so utterly ordinary, so commonplace. While we profess to know a power the 20th century does not reckon with, but we are harmless and therefore unharmed. We are spiritual pacifists, non-militants, conscientious objectors, in this battle to the death with principalities and powers in high places. Meekness must be had for contact with men, but brass outspoken boldness is required to take part in the comradeship of the cross. We are sideliners, coaching and criticizing the real wrestlers, while content to sit by and leave the enemies of God unchallenged. The world cannot hate us. We're too much like its own. Oh, that God would make us dangerous. Content to sit by and leave the enemies of God unchallenged. The world cannot hate us. We're too much like its own. Oh, that God would make us dangerous. I probably should have brought Philip to do this preach because I'm going to reference him again. A couple of weeks ago, we had a, a, a word, and we've had this word repeatedly, so it feels like there's something on it of going after the source and there being boulders that block the source and needing to, to move them. And Phil was getting up and, and sharing this word the other, the other night. And I was like, oh, I've heard this one, God. Is it still there? The wee phrase that came after it. It's like, if, if you move the boulders, I'll make you dangerous again. The sense of the Lord saying to Phil, if you move the boulders, I'll make you dangerous again. And the longing for us as a church is, God, would you make us dangerous again? Not dangerous to people, not damaging or hurting the people. There's enough of that that's went on. But God, would you make us dangerous in the kingdom of darkness? Would you make us dangerous against our adversary, the devil? God, would you see the kingdom of darkness smashed? Would you see strongholds being torn down? Would you see the kingdom of light break in? Would you see the name of Jesus being lifted up? Would you see addiction broken? Would you see people being set free? God, that you would make us dangerous again. And my thought is this, that actually part of this, of us, of these boulders that we move, but also of making us dangerous again, is actually we need the gifts that he's given us. The gifts that he decided we needed for the mission, we need to utilize them. We need to unpack them. He's placed them within the body and we need to stir them up. We need to grab hold of them. Oh God, that you would make us dangerous again. And we, we need to realize that as we lean into the, the gifts that he gives them to us as a family, it would be really easy to, get, to grab hold and unpack the gifts that God's given us and go, wow, this is great. And you begin to use it to your own advantage. You start to build your own platform. You start to use it to get recognition and influence. 
And yet this is not what's happening in the gifts whenever Paul is talking about it. He's saying these gifts are given for the common good. They're given for all of us and they're placed within the family. The, the, the mission in front of us takes our togetherness. We are part of a, a body. Um, you see, whenever we come to Jesus, we, we, we come to him and it's very personal. The Holy Spirit draws us and, and, and lays conviction of our sin upon us. He, he calls us to himself. We recognize this need um, of him and, and we come before him and we, 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 we preach it so many times. You know, this is between you and God. This is between you and God and that is so important. And then you, you, you flip right to the end of time whenever each one of us individually is going to be standing in front of God and we have to give an account for our lives. So at, at the end of time, I'll be standing in front of God, just me, give an account of what I've done with everything that God has blessed me with. Everything that he's poured into my life. What have I done with it? Given an account of my life. So you have this very individual picture at the start and you have this individual picture at the end which would make us think that the journey in between is very individual. Me and Jesus out to see if the world were away. Let's go. But yet he places us in a family. He places us in a body. When you see this picture of this loving couple staring into each other's eyes, wedding day, looking out at everything that lies ahead of it, you thought it was going to be me and Ruth, didn't you? <laughs> but you, you're, you're look, they're looking at Kermit and Miss Peggy, she got them. And they're looking out and, and the, the future is theirs. Just the two of them setting out on their adventure into all that life has for them. They've found each other, these soulmates, heading off. But sometimes marriage gives you more than you bargain for. Um, so before we were, Ruth and I were married, Ruth had a lovely Boxing Day tradition. Do you remember Christmas? It was only a month ago. <laughs> it feels like the longest month ever, but it was a month ago. Ruth had a lovely Boxing Day tradition. So after the busyness of getting planned and prepped for Christmas, the craziness of Christmas Day, Boxing Day arrives. Still, movie, fire lit. You then lay out all the remainders of the Christmas dinner and you perfectly sculpt the most amazing toasting. You, you position it perfectly on the plate. You lie and you position yourself onto the sofa and that is you. For all of you introverts out there, you're going, that is Christmas bliss. That is it. But then she married me. <laughs> and my boxing day is 40 of my relatives that I probably haven't seen all of them in one place at one time since this time last year, bundled into my mum and dad's house, food everywhere, presents going, and you would have found Ruth at the early stages, just hidden in the little family room going, I just need a breather for just a moment. But you come to marriage and it's this beautiful picture of just the two of us, but 
the reality is you get more than you bargained for. And you've, you've, Kermit and Miss Piggy on their wedding day. And they get more than they're bargained for. Look behind them. The Muppets are along for the ride. And in no way would I compare this beautiful group of people in front of me to a bunch of Muppets. But whenever it comes to Jesus and you start out on your journey with him, and it's so individual and it's beautiful and it's you and Jesus against the world, I just want to let you know there's a church that comes along with him. You get Jesus, you get us. You get Jesus, you get each other. You get Jesus, you get the body because he is the head of the church. He is the body. And if you get Jesus and you want Jesus, you get the church. You can't take or leave the church. The head is connected to the body, so they come as a package. You get Jesus, you get the body. Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 12 together. Catch your breath. I'll try and catch mine because we're going to read it all. Um, 1 Corinthians 12. It's not on the screen because it was too long to try and fit it all in. Okay, so 1 Corinthians 12. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between Spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is made up of, not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. That I cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. 
and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker and are, weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, given a greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first, all, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles and gifts of healing, of helps, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have the gift of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. And from this, from this passage, do you see how many times he repeats it? It's from the, the one God. It's the one Lord. It's the same Spirit. It's the same Spirit by the same Spirit by the same Spirit that we are held together in all of these different parts. And for you, there is space for you and your gifting. There is space for you and who God has made you to be. There is space for you in the body. And he has positioned everybody as he sees fit in the way that he wants to do it. And as we said, we want to be, we want to be dangerous. But we want to be dangerous in all the right ways. And whenever it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we've seen the misuse of power. And here we just quickly want to land a few of the principles that we want to hold the gifts of the Spirit in. And we'll keep referring back to these. We'll keep going back to these over the next um, few weeks. We'll be doing them in life groups as well. But he, here's the first one. It's Jesus-centered. The gifts being used need to look and smell and taste and be like Jesus. If what you're coming up against whenever you're seeing the gifts operating doesn't look like Jesus, then it's counterfeit. It needs to look like Jesus. The gifts need to be operating in the lifestyle of Jesus demonstrating who Jesus is because it's his body. And that's in the way that we engage with them as well. Unity and diversity. This passage just goes to town on it. Every part is different and you don't get to say that bit's not part of us because that bit doesn't look like me or my bit's better than your bit. We're actually in this together. And James Dunn puts this quote, where do you hear this? The body is unique, a unique kind of unity, a unity that consists and is possible only because the members of the body are all different and have different functions. That is unity that is not sameness, not a unity threatened by difference, but a unity that can only function as such by reason of the difference, a unity that involves recognition of and a living out of mutual interdependence by each on the other. That we need each other. That in our diversity, we need each other. And maybe some of those parts of the body that just rub you up the wrong way, their personality just gets on you a little bit. They are needed. 
you're sitting, uh, I'm probably by nature more pastoral, wanting to check that everybody's okay. I, I, and you've, you've someone running in going, we just need to do this. It doesn't really matter. Let's just go do this. We need the person that's coming to run in and go, let's go this direction. We need the person that's going to be going, is everybody okay? <laughs> Are we all okay? Let's, let's go together. We need the person that's going, is that what God has said? We need each other. And even some of the frustrations that that can bring, because we each have our own little slant on things. We need each other. This passage, um, this passage of um, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14, talking about the gifts, is sandwiched with 1 Corinthians 13, the chapter on love. And it's this mutual submission, it's this sacrificial love that the gifts need to operate in. That it's not out of let's just get the job done. It's actually as we come together, it's togetherness. It's God inhabiting the spaces between us. Our unity and our submission and our love to each other is so important. Moving through these, inversion of hierarchy. That basically means that it, it, it tips our leadership structures upside down. That the people that we think should be first and top actually have to follow in the footsteps of Jesus and become the servant of all. It's what the passage is talking about here in verses 21 to 26 when it's like, okay, the, these parts actually get more attention. These unseen bits get more attention. They get more care. They get more prominence because it's, it's tipping upside down the hierarchy that can easily be um, created. And then also that there is a divine order with the gifts. That does not mean, okay, sometimes when you're reading these gifts, you can think, you think, Paul, what are you saying? Because you're talking about the gifts and you're saying, like, put, the, put them all in balance, keep them all held equal. And then you're saying, go after the eagerly desire, the greater gifts. Like, what, what are you saying here? Some of these gifts actually are... Are, are used in the divine order of seeing the kingdom of God come, how the kingdom of God arrives, that these giftings of your apostle coming in and breaking open the ground, the sent ones into new areas, they come in that direction. There's a divine order that makes space for the rest of the gifts to operate. And we want to recognize the divine order. We want to recognize some of the gifts that carry leadership. And in today's society and culture, leadership has been put under the spotlight and the microscope, and in many cases, rightfully so. But then we could end up with just this aversion away from all forms of leadership. And actually, we need good, healthy, transparent leadership. And as we look at this, we need to figure out how to do that well, how to do that with mutual submission. How to do that with an inversion of, of hierarchy, without control. And then finally, the other principle, and we'll continually look back on these, is true spirituality is marked with a life of love. You could look and go, oh, look at the gift they have. Have you heard them speaking in tongues? Have you heard them prophesying? My goodness, they pray for people and they get healed. God must really, really like them. They must be really holy. And yet, this passage is saying that that's God distributes as he sees fit. The mark of our spirituality is a life of love. 
If you were up in the prayer room, you'd have seen alongside our empowered series, we had two trees, and on the trees we had the, the fruit of the Spirit. Because we don't want to start engaging with the gifts of the Spirit without holding and nurturing the fruit of the Spirit, because that's how people get hurt. So in equal measure, we need to go after the fruit of the Spirit alongside the gifts of the Spirit. And true spirituality is marked with a life of love. You look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love. I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. You could have it all. But God's saying, I'm only going to work whenever it's operating of the place of love. I'm only going to move and, uh, and breathe upon this whenever it's moving from that place. I've taken us on a whirlwind to get us some time to respond and we're going to have communion together. Um, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And then I'll let you know what we're going to do. But let's start to mull some of these thoughts over. That, that God has given us gifts. Natural and supernatural. And how are we giving them over to him? How are we handing them over to him? Asking for his Holy Spirit to just flood upon them. To move upon them. Is Carissa here? Is Carissa still here? Yeah. We're moving. There she is. They come. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to have space for communion. We're going to have space to um, respond at the front here as well. Our prayer ministry team will be here and our prayer ministry team will be at the back as well. Um, can I ask you to stand with me? serving communion, if you come up, if you're on the prayer ministry team, if you just position yourself front and back. I would like us to just take a, a, a moment in the middle of this, because one of the things that we sense strongly is that the church is built on pillars, not on platforms. The church is built on pillars, not on platforms. And I wonder today, as we stand in this place, as we hear about the, the gifts, God, we're saying, God, we don't wanna we don't wanna build your church on platforms. We don't wanna build your church on giftedness, God. But God, we need pillars. We need people who can carry um, weight in your kingdom. People who are going to turn up in unseen ways, unnoticed ways, and say, I'm going to be a pillar in this place. I'm going to be a pillar. May never be on the platform, but I'm going to be a pillar.
And I wonder if you will give all of your giftedness, natural and supernatural, to go in the opposite direction of the world that says, use it to get your platform. Use it to get your platform. Use it to build your influence. Use it to get your power. But actually you're saying, I'm going to give all of my giftedness, everything that you've placed in me, everything that I don't even realize is there yet, I'm going to give it to you so that you could make me a pillar in your kingdom, in the church. And my sense as I was preparing this was that for some people, it was, it was stepping back into being a pillar. You, you, you know that you've been doing it. <laughs> you know that's who you are. But actually it just got heavy and it got hard. And maybe you needed some breathing space. But God said to you this morning, I need you to be a pillar. Will you be a pillar? Will you be a pillar in my church? The firm foundation upon Jesus. But pillars that I can lean upon. Will you give all of your giftedness, all of your ability again to go, I'm going to be a pillar. And then also you might be here and you're going, God, I want to be a pillar. (laughs) I really want to be a pillar. (laughs) But I feel like I'm just like two stones sitting here. (laughs) And (laughs) like, it's, it's not an impressive pillar. But God, I'm willing to give you my life. And you can shape me and mold me whatever way you want to make me into a pillar. I'll give you what little I have. I will give you my weakness so that your strength can flow through it. I will give you these couple of little boulders that I have. And I'd say, God, would you take them and would you build upon them and would you make me a pillar? So this goes out for every generation because it's saying, actually, God, where I'm at right now, God, it has to start somewhere. I want to be a pillar in your church, so start working in me now. Start turning me into a pillar now, God. No matter what stage you are in your journey with Jesus, if you just came to faith that you're coming to him and saying, I want to be a pillar, God. That's the type of person I want to be. I want to be a pillar. I don't want to go after the platform. I want to be a pillar that can carry weight in your kingdom. I'm going to ask you to respond to this. We're just going to close your eyes so it sometimes makes people feel more comfortable. But you just go, and I want to be a pillar. Maybe there's a sense of repentance of going, God, I'm sorry that I've been going after a platform whenever I was meant to be a pillar. And I just love you to respond to God, even in that response of doing something with your body, of just putting up your hands, of, say, of saying, God, I'm, I mean this. Can we do that? I'm not going to call you out to the front at this I'm not going to do any of that. I'm going to give space for you to be prayed for, but I'm not calling you out. But just respond where you are, saying, God, I want to be a pillar. You stretch out your hands to God in desperation, saying, God, make me a pillar. Make me a pillar, God. Reach out to him. Reach out to him.
God, I repent of the times that I wanted a platform. God, make me a pillar. Maybe you're saying, God, make me dangerous again. Make me dangerous again. Make me dangerous again, God. Would you reach out to him? Call out to him. We've made this really easy for you to move because we're all, those who are taking communion are going to be moving. But if you feel like you want to respond of God, make me a pillar. God, make me dangerous. God, I'm coming back into line to carry weight in your kingdom. Or God, I'm sitting with two blocks in front of me. Build me into something. Would you come and respond? Would you let us pray with you? There's people at the back. There's people at the front that are, are, have prepped themselves and prepped their heart to pray for you. They have listened to God for this. To pray for you. So as we move, take courage. Take courage. Break through everything that's stopping you coming for prayer. As we come to the table, let's search our hearts. Let's move. Let's respond. But please don't miss the moment. If you put up your hands, if you stretch them out saying, God, make me a pillar. God, make me dangerous and let us join with you and pray with you this morning. Jesus.
I've heard upon this earth Speaks righteousness for me And stands in my defense Jesus, it's your blood So what can wash away our sins? What can make us whole again? Nothing but the blood Nothing but the blood of Jesus What can wash us pure as snow? Welcome as the friends of God. It's nothing but your blood, nothing but your blood, King Jesus. Your cross testifies in grace. Tells of the Father's heart To make a way for us Now boldly we approach Not by earthly confidence It's only by your blood Your cross testifies in grace Tells of the Father's heart Make a way for us Now boldly we approach Not by earthly confidence It's only by your blood So what can wash away our sins And what can make us whole Testifies in grace, tells of the Father's heart to make a way for us. The boldly we approach, not by earthly confidence. It's
Father, thank you for speaking this morning, and we just want to seal everything that has been prayed this morning in your great name. Father, thank you for the pillars that are in this house. Thank you for how you build us and shape us, Father, and we just want to honor you this morning and give you our hearts, give you our bodies, Father, to serve you well. So yeah, Holy Spirit, we just give you this moment right now. We just seal everything in the strong name of Father God. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.